been uh, thinking a lot about um, how these politicians, they seem to play by a different set of rules than the rest of us do. Seems like things that the rest of us would do that would get us landed in jail and have probably the FBI goon squad coming to our house with, uh, with military-type assault weapons and military vehicles and, and handcuffing us and shackling us and having little red dots all, of our, all over our bodies and all over our family and dragging us out of bed in the middle of the night. No, that sort of stuff doesn't happen to these elite politicians. In a quote by Benjamin Franklin after the signing of the U.S. Constitution, he stated, I agree to this Constitution, and I believe further that this is likely to be well administered for a course of years and can only end in despotism, as other forms have done before it, when the people shall become so corrupted as to need despotic government being incapable of any other. One of the most remarkable observations in the study of history is the caution and warnings that are always given by founders of great civilizations. It seems that those who lay foundations for great civilizations are quite aware of the seeds of pride, selfishness, and contention in human nature, which over time usually begin to manifest themselves in society, even good societies. These founders, realizing the tendency of human nature to degenerate, have always closed their public ministries with solemn warnings of the dire consequences of departing from the lofty ideals they established. Today I'm questioning if maybe people deserve the suffering that's coming for them. The price we pay for our apathy and indifference and in that we are going to be ruled or maybe even killed by evil men or people, these evil despots love the fact that many of you like to watch this real life game of death from the sidelines or the cheap seats. I call it a game today because that's what it is to those who mean to subjugate you. They know that most of you will remain indifferent until it's too late. To me, this is no game but a war. And although just a few shots have been fired in the traditional sense, in the form of mass shootings, 60 million of you have been shot in the arm up to four times. Millions are dead in this war, and yet many of you wait in line patiently for whatever awaits you in the big room through the double doors. All the while ash rains down on your head like snow. The answer to my question above is, no, you don't deserve it, but it's coming for you anyway. They feed you your pound of flesh to silence and control your indignation, and yet those responsible are laughing at your lassitude and indifference. Those that don't know the definition of lassitude, it is a condition of weariness or debility, and a condition characterized by lack of interest, energy, or spirit. Remember our discussion about cognitive dissonance last week? Yes, Ghislaine Maxwell has been convicted for her part in supplying young girls for evil men and women to mentally decimate. But what about the pedophiles themselves? Even though the public ire has been silenced, those predators are still on the prowl. When you have the power and influence to be above the law and the money to find more little girls to violate as well as the means to manipulate the public, you can do anything you want. 
The powerful people involved in this activity will never be held accountable. Why, you ask? Because in this country, we have a two-tier criminal justice system. Those in power determine who gets prosecuted and who does not. Obviously, those who run the justice system don't want to prosecute themselves or their corrupt friends. How about I mention a few examples? According to a report from the New York Post, a pair of, a pair of lawyers who torched an empty NYPD vehicle amid protests in Brooklyn of the death of George Floyd, by the way, he was a, he was a thug, he was a criminal, they pled guilty to conspiracy charges in a deal with federal prosecutors. The attorneys identified as Collinford Mattis, and I hope I pronounce this right, Uruj Rahman, each pled guilty to counts of conspiracy to commit arson and to make and possess an unregistered destructive device for firebombing the police van on May 30th, 2020. Reportedly, the pair of lawyers were initially facing domestic terrorism charges with the possibility of doing 30 years of jail time. The new plea agreement will likely result only in a few years of jail time. What some legal experts find bizarre is that the plea agreement reduced an earlier plea agreement for a more serious offense. In 2021, Rahman and Mattis pleaded guilty to one count of possessing and making an explosive device, which carries a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. With the new plea agreement, they were allowed to withdraw the earlier plea and instead plead guilty to conspiring to assemble the Molotov cocktail and damage the NYPD patrol vehicle. I've never heard of withdrawing a previous plea deal and then making a new plea deal. That's, that's a new one to me. By the way, I want to remind you all that to this day, if you type in Antifa.com into your web browser, it still takes you to WhiteHouse.gov. Compare this to the harsh position taken by the Joe, Joe Biden Justice Department and those accused of rioting on January 6, 2021. Attorney General Merrick Garland cited the threat to police officers in pledging an unprecedented effort to charge and convict those involved on any level in the riot. Many of these people have been held in isolation in a D.C. gulag for over a year without due process, without bail, without visitation, without the ability to personally groom themselves. Some of them are literally having to bite their own fingernails off and denied their constitutional rights without being convicted of any crime. Another example of the two-tier justice system is when defendant Mike Flynn, who was the national security advisor for former President Donald Trump, was pressured to plead guilty to lying to the FBI. And by the way, you know, when the FBI came into his office to talk to him, they made, it, made him believe it was just a, oh, we're just having a conversation. He had no idea he was being interrogated. He was denied his rights. Yet the FBI's then dire Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was allowed to escape any punishment for allegedly lying during an internal investigation. In another recent example of disparate treatment, former Trump economic advisor Peter Navarro, a 72-year-old academic with a spotless criminal record, was handcuffed and shackled after being indicted for contempt of Congress 
for refusing to comply with a congressional subpoena. Now, by the way, for those that you haven't been paying attention to the news, he told them, well, yeah, I'll, I'll comply, but I want to make sure that I'm not uh, violating uh, a, uh, a privilege. Uh, I can't remember. It, it basically... Uh, Pre presidential privilege in which you know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to talk about stuff I'm not supposed to talk about. He didn't want to violate the law by talking about things he wasn't supposed to talk about. <clears throat> Yet just a decade earlier, then Attorney General Eric Holder escaped punishment when the Department of Justice, which was his own department, declined to prosecute him for defying a similar congressional subpoena. Oh, there we go. You know how I was talking about those in power don't want to prosecute themselves? Peter Navarro was charged with contempt of Congress by monopartisan committee. He got no one to speak on his behalf. I thought that was a constitutional right. He got shackles. Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress by a bipartisan vote of 255 to 67. He went out to dinner that same night. And DC wonders why people believe in the swamp. Ben Weidgarten, a conservative writer, compared Navarro's arrest with the jury acquittal of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman on a charge of lying to the FBI. Weingarten wrote, it sends an unmistakable message. We can get you anytime, anywhere, on any grounds we choose. You can't touch even a single one of ours. The greatest threat we face now is the fact that we have a mentally compromised, cognitively impaired, and I dare say immoral man who wasn't too bright to begin with, with total control of our nuclear football. J. Robert Oppenheimer, the scientific director of the Manhattan Project, said, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. He said this because he knew that his invention, the nuclear bomb, in the hands of the wrong person, could kill every living thing on this planet. We have a massive weight hanging over our heads, and in the case of Joe Biden, we choose a thin old rope to hold it up. The amount of apathy in the American people regarding this situation is monumentally mind-blowing. This man being in power is an example of ultimate deception and public manipulation. Then there's Hunter. I tried to research information on his hacked iCloud account to almost no avail. You may have heard about this, but most likely not. This is the now covered up, illegally hacked, but pertinent information about Hunter, which is truly disturbing. Amazingly, he lists his dad's number under the name Pedo Pete. This information supposedly shows pictures of a foul nature and recordings of interactions with multiple prostitutes. Apparently, he spent $30,000 on call girls within five months. He was a busy guy. Of course, we will never know for sure because despite his depravity, he is protected by powerful shadow dwellers. In a quote from a, from a book written by Edward Bernays in 1928 entitled Propaganda, he stated... The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. 
We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, and our ideas suggested largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by this relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. You know, I've been watching a series on Paramount Plus, and, and I was thinking about this monologue I wrote, and I've been watching this series on Paramount Plus called Evil, and it was showing this social media company in which, well, it's kind of like a thing where you post things kind of like on TikTok, and then the company, they will take what you have viewed and they will decide what other things they're going to offer for you to view. And they were asking this woman that was running this company, they, they said, well, yeah, but I, I'm getting these, these videos that are progressively darker and I, I'm, not, I'm not choosing to watch these sort of things. She said, yeah, but what happens is, is like, even though you didn't choose to watch that, that dark thing, is when that dark thing got, uh, you know, presented to you, even though you decided not to view it, you hesitated in selecting no, which meant you were actually interested. <laughs> so we give you more. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And we talk, we, you know, we hear about these algorithms all the time on social media. And how they manipulate the way people think. And, you know, they talk about how these algor algorithms are used to influence elections. And, you know, when you're on social media, those of you, those of you that do social media, you know, you get constantly, uh, certain things get brought to the front for you to look at and other things get suppressed. This is what they're doing. They, were, they are molding public opinion.